this morning. Turn with me to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going to start there this morning. Now, if you don't know, we've been in a series on prayer. And for, what is it? I guess four Sundays now, we've spoken about everything from what it means to pray, the basics of prayer, getting back to the basics, to intimacy with God in prayer, to, uh, in other words, what, what is really prayer about? It's about getting intimate with God. It's about being real with God. Uh, to even intercessory prayer. So we've kind of worked our way in from the basics to, um, you know, even the function of prayer, and now even to intercessory prayer last week, and now to really the, the so to speak, the most important thing about praying, and that is God Himself. Um, so let's read here in Matthew chapter 6. You can't get any clearer than Jesus' words in the Gospels. <clears throat> so notice here, this is again, you'll remember from Matthew 6, this is actually the Sermon on the Mount. He's started His ministry. This is His first large teaching that we have in the Gospels. And it also is in Matthew's Gospel, which is important because he's the first Gospel writer that's connecting the Old Testament to the New. So notice what is said here as we begin in chapter 6 with verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. This day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have been forgiven of our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Let us pray. Jesus, thank You so much for Your Word. It is a way in which You have already spoken and still speak today. Holy Spirit, would You speak to us in this room this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you notice the recurring phrase? In secret and in our words you. <laughs> I want to kind of move off of that with what we're talking about today in particular with prayer. And that is intimacy with God. Again, we've moved from some of the more elementary things to even focusing on others in our praying. Now to focusing back on God who is the source of all our praying. And you have to go back and, and remind yourself that we were created to know and love God. Plain and simple. If, you want to, if somebody ever asks you as a Christian, what is the meaning of life? I mean, what really are we here for? You know, that's a big question that everybody asks, by the way, and that everybody has an answer for. Even people who say, I don't have an answer, well, that's an agnostic answer. Um, or there is no answer. That, too, is a more agnostic, skeptic position. Uh, no, for the Christian, the reason for our existence, the reason we were created was to know God and to love God. Perfect example, go all the way back to Genesis. God created them and He walked with them every single day in His garden, His cathedral. That's what, I, that's what you know, Bob and Garrett and I talk about when we're out there on the, on the mountain at Monsanto is this is God's cathedral. He's the one who did this. You know, we build buildings like this and, and you know, they're beautiful, whatever, artistic. Out there, that's God's artistry. It's His canvas. And He created it for us as a context to know Him and to love Him. And so if you know God and you love God, that means you're a Christian. That's what we've been talking about. To know Jesus Christ is to have eternal life. And to love God with all your heart is to obey the commandment of commandments. Now, this is Jesus' kind of, so to speak, premier message as He begins His ministry. And He's asserting His authority even over the law in this, uh, in this sermon. Remember, just as Moses ascended the mountain and received the law, now Jesus ascends a mountain and instead of receiving the law, He now goes beyond the law. So where the law says, hey, don't commit adultery, He says, look, if you do it in your heart, you've already done it. So He's not abolishing the law, getting rid of it. Instead, He's moving to the heart of the matter. Okay, He does the same thing with prayer. Which is good that Jesus talks about prayer because, well, it helps us out. This is what I want to focus on this morning. What does Jesus say here about prayer? First thing is you got to do it. <laughs> when you pray, it's not a matter of if you pray. It's when you pray. Even when you fast. Notice that, the terminology there in verse uh, 16. So fasting ought not to be just something we do during the Lenten season. Obviously, most of you are participating in a Lenten fast. And I hope you've seen the importance of what it is to sacrifice on purpose for God, what it does to you physically, spiritually, mentally. Um, I hope you've seen the significance of that. We'll talk about even 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 more later. Uh, but if you've never fasted, just fast one meal and pray. Just pray for the forty-five minutes you would have been eating, thirty minutes you'd have been eating. Uh, it'll change your life. 
We need prayer more than we need food. And Jesus knows this. This is why He says when we pray. The first thing I want to point out here concerning... really want to do three things. And it's very simple, okay? So just follow me real quick with a, with a simple analogy that will lead us the rest of the way through the sermon. And that is, when you get to a railroad track, what are, what are you told even as a kid to do is to stop, look, and listen. So when you pull up there, you know, you stop so that you can look. And then you listen. Why do you listen? Well, because, you know, you may have missed something and you, you don't want to make a mistake with a train. Let's, let's be honest. Not, not a train, you know. Moped, bicycle, whatever, that's fine, but not a train. Train's not going to turn out good, ever. Well, in our analogy today, God is the train. And the crossroads, the tracks, meet us at the point of prayer. Now, this train, we want to get run over by. All right, So we're actually positioning ourselves to get run over by the train today because we want to be hit by God, uh, so to speak. Um, don't think morbidly. Uh, we, we, we want to be impacted by God Every single day. So we want to get on the tracks. But even so, we're going to use the model of look, sorry, uh, stop, look, and listen. So the first thing that Jesus even informs us here is that we're going to have to stop. He said, Well, what do you mean stop? I mean stop. Stop worrying about your kid, stop worrying about your situation. Anxiety doesn't help your situation. Stop. Stop. Acting like you're in control. Stop managing everything as if you are in control, because you are not. Stop seeing yourself as the answer. Instead, stop. Stop. It's simple. It's so simple that we miss it and we just keep moving. Stop looking at your phone in all of your spare time. Stop getting on the computer. Stop being distracted. Just stop. That's the first step. Stop. Because you'll never go beyond that if you're not able to stop. Now in our world, a sign of uselessness is somebody that's not busy. I mean, most of us when we're asked, how are things going? Oh, just so busy, man. I just I can't seem to get ahead. That's a constant refrain that I hear. I even find myself giving that to people. Now, we all have 24 hours. <laughs> people who work all the time have 24 hours. People who have built empires have 24 hours. Jesus had 24 hours. This is what we've been given every single day. Now, we make of that 24 hours whatever it is we make of it. This is one gauge, by the way, is to look and see what you've done in 24 hours. Where your most, most of your time is spent. Where the, where the prime of your time is spent. Jesus says, in that secret place, that's where God is going to reward you. Stop so that you can get in a secret place with God. That's what Psalm 91.1 says. In the secret place, that is where the most high, God, most high is. And we can come under His protection, His refuge, when we get quiet before Him and stop. You know, there's a saying that says, <clears throat> there's no better way to focus yourself than to realize that the next day you're going to hang. 
<laughs> it was from when they used to hang people. The guy said it. He said, there's nothing that clears the soul and the mind best than knowing that tomorrow morning you're going to hang. Now, if you knew you were going to hang tomorrow, if you knew you were going to die, that your point in time was to die tomorrow, do you think you'd do some praying? Or would you just keep playing video games? Do you think you'd start talking bad about people? Cursing people? Sinning? Cheating? If you knew you were going to die tomorrow? No, you wouldn't. It's interesting, it's fascinating to read accounts of people who are non-Christian and Christian on their deathbed. All of them pray. That's one thing they all have in common, is they all pray. So my question is this, if we're too busy to pray... Now, in our life, why do we find time when we don't have much time? Notice, we have all the time in the world right now, as far as we know. I mean, in our our conception, we have all the time in the world. We don't know our day and time. And yet, what do we always say to each other? I'm too busy to do that. I'm too busy to spend with my kids or my family or, or, or in prayer. But when we don't have any time, when the, talk, when the clock is ticking and we only have 24 hours to go, well, guess what we do? In those moments, we pray. It's tough not to be distracted, I know. Uh, we have a type of, not only, I have a type of ADD, uh, probably ADHD is what I've been told by psychologists, but you know what? I can still focus on what I want to. I can't. It's not an excuse. I don't have medicine either, but you know, sometimes I still get, get all messed up. But you know what? We have a spiritual ADD. You ever notice that? We're jumping around. We trust God one moment and the next moment. I mean, within an hour, we're back to trusting me. I'm saying stop. Close the door to your anxiety. Close the door to what the world has to say. Close the door that you are the answer. You're not. Close the door that you have it figured out. You don't. Close the door to those things. This is what Jesus says. Look, He says, when you pray, go into your room, this is verse 6, and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Think of Martha and Mary again. You remember the famous story, most people have been deeply touched by this story, where Martha is preparing a meal, right? And she's getting everything ready, she's running around, and here's Mary, and Jesus is sitting there, and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and she's just, just like we just read, she's pouring her tears out and listening to Him. And and Martha's just sitting here, trying to prepare the meal. Get, and she's like, Lord, won't you tell her to get up and help me? I mean, I'm sitting here doing all the labor and she's just sitting here at your feet. <laughs> and Jesus says, look, we feel like there are many things that need to be done in our life. And all of us, I mean, we could, we could go through a checklist right now of what we have to get done. Trust me. All of us have long lists. Even people, even even. Uh, People who are retired have long lists. But you know what? Jesus says, stop. Stop. Close the door. Don't get caught up in what you have to do. Martha, 
there's only one thing necessary in life, and that is being with God. This is exactly what Mary's doing right now. I'm not going to be here much longer. You're going to be able to cook all kinds of meals in your life. We put things up here that don't need to be up here. In front of God, and the Bible calls that idolatry. Idol worship. Isn't that the first commandment? No other gods before me. Prayer, by getting quiet time with God, secret, private time with God, we're saying, Lord, You are first in my life. Don't we do this in our relationships, in particular marriage? I mean, with four boys in the house, besides me, you know, Ty, he's in the house, even though he's in the womb, he's still affecting everybody, um, trust me. With four guys in the house, you know what, the only way we can get any kind of private adult time intimate time is if we close the door. We have to shut... It has to be something intentional though, right? I mean, you can't do it when people are hungry and needing stuff because they're going to be beating on the door and you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to talk. You're not going to be able to do whatever it is you're going to do in your your married life. You're not going to be able to get intimate. This is a picture of us with God here. God says, look, close the door. Close the door to the things of the world. Those things can wait. It's time to focus on me. Are we not the bride of Christ? Isn't this what the Bible says of His church? Those who are Christians are His church. His bride. We need to get that single, focused, intimate, one-on-one time with our Savior. With our God. Isn't this what Jesus prayed in John 17? I pray that they might be one, as we are one. Some of us just need to simply stop and shut the door. That's all it will take for us to focus on God. Just stop. Now, the second thing is this. Look, which is what I call practicing God's presence. And you say, well, how do you look at God? I mean, I can understand looking for a train or stopping and looking at your wife. I mean, because typically when you talk to someone, you look at them. You don't look away. You look at them. So you can see them. You can see... I mean, that's the problem, as you found out, on Facebook, right? You're trying to write something back to somebody and they mess it all up because you're not able to look at them. If they could see you, they would know what you were saying. But because they can't, they misinterpret what you've said. We have to look at one another when we talk. Only those who are ashamed look away. Those who are not confident look away. But you know what? The Bible says in Christ we can have confidence to look God in the face. We don't have to be ashamed because we've been forgiven of our sins. There's no... There's no I mean, my kids, you know, when I was Jackson, if they've done something wrong... They're kind of eyeing me. They're not wanting to look in my face. I say, son, look at me. Look at me. And they're darting their eyes. You know, this is us. We do the same thing with God. We're playing a game with Him. 
We're playing a hide-and-go-seek game with Him. Acting like what we've done, you know, we're not wanting to be honest. That's, that's all it comes down to. The first thing we've got to do is stop, then look at God. How do we look at God? With the eye of faith. With a heart of faith. <laughs> uh, you know, as I said before, with the basics of prayer, faith is the only condition to pray. Know that He's here. Know that He hears. The problem that we have is we compartmentalize our lives. That's a big term. One that you are aware of. We put it into compartments. We do this all the time, right? We have our play self, so to speak, where where we're one way while we're being entertained. We're one way at work. We're one way at home. We're one way with our kids. We're one way at church. Until we've got all these boxes of who we are and we're trying to be this and trying to be that. And we've all lived double lives where we're trying to be this and that and ultimately they're all merging together. There ought to be one us. Not shoving boxes under beds when somebody else comes in the room that we're wanting to hide from. This is compartmentalizing. We're not called to do that. Instead, look fully into the face of Jesus Christ with the eye of faith Allow Him to cut into those boxes. You know, when we were moving from, from Pearl, Mississippi, to here, to East Limestone, uh, I had all these boxes, and I thought, you know, my whole house, because we had to pack up our house in two days. And that was the only condition of selling it and making $31,000, so it was to get out in like a week. I was out in two days. Um, you know, if you make that much money, I'll be out in four hours if I need to be. Burn, burn everything, you know. But um, So I'm sitting there one night, and I'm praying... And I'm looking at our whole house, and our whole house is in box, boxes, you know, just different boxes labeled. And I thought, you know, this is a great picture of my life. I've got all these boxes and these things, and, you know, but how does it all really fit together? Does it all fit together? Some of the stuff needed to be thrown away, right? We were keeping it anyway. Don't do that with God. There's some things in your life that you just kind of, it's your default position. It's what you've always ran to. Stop. Let Him cut into that. Look at Him. Don't look to that. We all have default positions that we fall back into. Don't. Don't. Instead, see Him this morning. And when you're able to look at Him in the face with the eye of faith, everything else will fade away. This world will come into perspective. You ever been in an argument with your spouse and things are going badly and you're talking, you know, you're doing this number, you know, and people are walking around and going to different rooms and all this kind of jazz. And all of a sudden, you just, you just have to stop and look at one another and be like, is it really the end of the world that I messed up the stove? You know, I'm not saying I did, but, <laughs> but is it really the end of the world? You know, I mean, just once you look at each other, you think, this is the person I committed myself to. This is the person that I love. I share my life with. Is it really as bad as I'm making up? No, it's not. But it takes looking at them. And we don't want to look at each other, you know? That's, hmm, we're doing a Baylor. Hmm. This is what we do when we get angry. Don't do that with God. We want to close up. We want to clam up. Don't do that. Stop and look at Him. This morning, look at He is here if you'll only be willing to see Him with the eye of faith.
Jesus says in John, uh, Matthew 6.33, just probably turn a page over there or look down. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added. Another way of putting that is, look into His face and everything else will make sense. You're looking into the face of your Creator. That's when things come into perspective. When we're looking at all the different boxes we've got, we feel like we're so frazzled, we don't know what to do next. That's not the way to live life. Look at Him and things will get organized. Things will get prioritized. That's why Jesus says, you have to love me more than you love your wife, more than you love your family, more than you love your job. You have to love me. Because if not, you're going to get your priorities out of whack. A person will never be able to come through for you always. God can. He will. This is why... The, this is why Jesus says, talks about fasting in 16 through 18. We need God more than we need food. You know, food nourishes our body. Prayer nourishes our soul. Now, you're going to get a new body at the resurrection if you trust Jesus Christ. Everybody's going to be resurrected. You're going to get put back together at the end of time. But, you don't get a new soul. You're going to have the soul that you have. And if it's wicked, then you're going to remain wicked. If you're righteous, then you're going to remain righteous. You don't get a new soul. Rather, God has to purify your soul now. So we're not told to worry about the body in the sense of making it new and spiritual. That's not our job. But we are told to take care of our soul. That's why we have to tell the body sometimes, body, I know you want this, but you're not going to get it. Just like a child. We have to bring the body into submission. I mean, does, does your body not want some things that you don't need? Have you ever noticed that? Don't you have to say no? I hope you say no. You can really get yourself into trouble following the passions of the body. Food, sex, laziness. I mean, if we followed that, we would all be a mess. No, don't follow your body. Feed your soul in prayer. You have to pray. You say, I'm too busy. No, you're, not. you're too busy not to pray. Your soul will die if you don't pray. You must pray. It's the most natural thing in the world to do. Realizing that God is with us opens up all possibilities. See, we forget so easily that He's here. That's why I get bent out of shape. When things are not going my way, I'm starting... It's all on... I, I, I'm losing focus. I'm focusing on myself. I'm listening to my body. Telling me, you're hungry and that's all that matters right now, Marshall. Feed me! You know? <laughs> uh, that's, at least that's the voice I hear. <clears throat> no, it's practicing God's presence at every point in our life. When somebody conflicts with you at work, remember that God is between you. God is in you. He's in behind you, beside you. He's in that situation. He's there. When you have family problems, God is in those situations. He's there. You have but we don't that's we start dealing with it ourselves. 
God, I know you don't care about this. I got this one. And, and boom, there you go. We foul out every single time because we don't practice the fact that He's there. Now the third thing, not only stop and look, but listen. You say, well, how do you listen to God? I mean, how does God even talk? Does God even talk? You, know, people, you hear people sometimes say, you know, the Lord told me this or that. Well, there's several ways that God uh, talks, so to speak. Uh, but I want to say, first of all, look, we have to get past throwing stuff at God. And listening does that for us. We want to talk and say, Lord, bless me and protect this and do this and do that. All right, see you later. Without ever listening. That's not a conversation. Just like I said in the kid, that's not a conversation. That's not communion. And we've been called and created for communion. Not just to throw things at God and say, peace out. But instead, no, to listen. You know, even when you're talking to somebody, by the way, you're listening. You listen to yourself. I hope you do, at least. If you don't, you're just babbling. I listen to myself while I talk, and it's weird sometimes, but, you know, you have to do it. Sometimes I'm thinking, as I'm even talking, dang it, it's not really what I wanted to say. And then I start having a conversation with myself as I'm continuing to talk, as I'm doing now. It's quite confusing, but the ADD helps. You know, I'm used to it. It's nothing new. Uh, that I'm having to deal with. You know, when you talk, you actually listen. You're listening to yourself. You're trying to listen to the other person. You're seeing what they're picking up. You're reading people's faces. I mean, all this is part of our, our listening. It's the same way with God. God has already spoken to us through His Word. Reading the Bible is a way of listening in prayer. You know, we even want to compartmentalize our spiritual life. We want to say, oh, well, I sing, and that's not prayer. Wrong. I hope you're pray-singing. I hope I'm pray-preaching. I hope when I'm studying for my message, I'm pray-studying. Pray-teaching. Pray-raising my children. You get the point? Pray-thinking. When we focus our thoughts on God, And listen. That's prayer. That's conversation. We can hear Him. We can know what He wants for our life. He can whisper in that still, small voice to our soul. You can hear from God by reading His Word. You can hear from God in your conscience. Peter Crave says the conscience is our interior prophet. He's saying, don't do that. You know you shouldn't do that. Nature. God's creation speaks to us. <laughs> Praise, it, you know, nature praises God. It doesn't speak very clearly, not as clearly as the Bible. But it speaks to us of His love, of His care, of His diversity, of His unity. Universe. Ultimately, Jesus can speak to us. When you read, pray the Gospels or the Psalms, which are prayers, every Psalm is a prayer. You can hear God. He can speak to your soul. If you need to hear from God, which we all do, you need to be reading the Bible. 
That is prayer. Listening. Not just reading, say, all right, I got my chapter done. Thank the Lord. Finally done. No, no, no. Listen. Stop. Look to Him. And listen. I promise you, He'll speak. Now, how do we listen again? Well, we listen with our heart. Has your heart ever told you that that person's shady? Don't go near them. Yeah? Boy, you know. Now, did you hear anything from them that told... No, it was, it was in here. You had a bad feeling in here. That's what you call your heart. That's something happened in your body. Have you ever been going into a situation and you think to yourself, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. This is not good. That's listening to God working in your heart. I mean, we all have a moral compass. No generation, no civilization has ever honored cowardice. There's a reason. (laughs) No civilization has ever existed on lying. You say, well, technically there could be a, a, a tribe or something that they base their whole life on. No, no, no. Go back and read every history book in the world and you'll never find any civilization that existed on lying. We all have a moral compass built in us. We can listen to God. We can obey God. We just don't ever stop to listen. When we center on Jesus Christ, that is practicing God's presence. It is intimacy with God. God is the point here. The point is not getting an answer from prayer. The point is not using someone. I mean, I'm not married just because it makes my life better. I'm married because I love Jessica. The person Jessica, not the idea. Sometimes we're more in love with the idea than the person. We can be intimate with God. You ever just stopped and thought about that? We can be one with God. We can be called the friend of God. What an amazing thought that is. I mean, that, I don't know how else to put that in words. We can be one with God. Just as Jesus prayed in John 17. God is our Father. God is our brother. And God can live in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. If... We'll stop, look, and listen. So stop. I mean, right now, stop. Whatever it is you're doing, stop in your mind right now. And I want you to look unto God. Right now. You may need to close your eyes. I don't know what you need to do. Stop whatever it is you're doing. Nothing is more important than talking to God right now. The next prayer you say, there's nothing more important. Nothing. So stop right now. And focus your self by faith on God. And pray. Pray for one minute. If you can't pray for one minute, then you're addicted to yourself, full of sin and death. Pray to God right now. One minute.
Now, ask God to help you do that for the rest of your life.